Do you want me to intro, seeing as I'm the one who did the research? Tom did the research. Russell Brand, take it away. Well, I did 12 hours before he actually came on. But we, we all know, we all know Mr. Mr. My research is four years of... Of course. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Off The Cuff podcast. We are joined today by a man that we've all had the pleasure of uh, being coached by. Josh and Joe still being coached by him. I completed bodybuilding, so we're, we're, we're done now. But uh, a man that has 185 top threes, is it? 185 top threes, 12, 12 uh, overalls, yep. variety of different pro cards. Uh, a man who is galvanizing the, the coaching industry. And uh, welcome, welcome Callum. An iconic moment. Our first guest, our very first guest on the Off the Cuff podcast. It is. Talking to your mic, please. Talking to your yeah, not, you, 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 all extental. You, you, you can, you can it. move it about. You this can is a high it. production podcast here. You can move it where you want. You know about tension and mechanical arms. <laughs> <laughs> the moment arm of the. the <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cal, would we? Um, would, would you like to give us a bit of a, a brief backstory of who you are? Because obviously, this podcast is going to the moon, and some people yeah. might not know who you are. Yep. Quite a lot of people won't. Um, I, uh, what should I go from the start? Or give how us long, a brief. Yeah, how long have you been in the game? Where did it start? A brief synopsis. So, it all started 2013 in LA Fitness as a PT. Nearly a decade. Teaching spin classes. Spin classes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was t- teaching an aerobics class and a, an ab workout with like 40 mums. And that's where it started. Unreal. And then, uh, I actually got coached by James Sutton. Yeah. Who was M10. And then I like modeled myself on James and what he what he did, what he worked with. And that was like the first exposure I had to the physique coaching world. And then uh, applied for a job at M10. Which is a personal training studio yeah, personal in Nottingham. Training. But like more, because obviously Mark owns that, used to bodybuild. It's more physique in nature. Yeah. And then uh, that kind of exposed me to that demographic mainly coaching coaches at the start and then it get, went from coaches to coaches who compete then it went from that to competitors um that was the birth of the muscle mentors mm-hmm. and then muscle mentors <coughs> for three years what is what is the muscle mentors so the muscle mentors was a, a collaboration with me and luke which hoffman. uh with luke hoff luke hoffman which um started as a podcast merged it, the original idea, we kind of knew it was going to be a business in general. Um, but that, when, when I moved to Manchester, when I left M10, that's where it really kind of kicked off. And we were like, right, let's make this into a business. Start coaching. We both think the same. Um, and then that's 2018. Four, four years later and we're here. And then uh, the birth of pro coaches has arrived. So Yeah. <clears throat> I'm excited to talk about, about that a little bit. I think... Uh we we all saw the muscle mentors kind of rise to the top. We saw it become like a bit of a, a figurehead of the industry. Mm-hmm. If you if you had that affiliation of muscle mentors, you got that seal of improvement. And uh, it's it's been it's been an amazing journey to follow. So, muscle mentors started as coaching. Yeah. Then it kind of moved into uh, education. Right, yeah, we're good at this. Yeah. People need to learn this. Yeah, yeah. You know. So then you started coaching people. Me and Joe have both been to. Uh, what two, three, four seminars for, from you guys yep. as we learn a little bit more how to uh, improve our own feet, uh, our own physique coaching, and really the f- 
for me personally, it was the first type of thing that I saw that was in depth for bodybuilders, for people that want to progress the physique to the optimal. People don't like that word these days, do they? But optimal. Um, and then the education side was born. You guys had the uh, the website that was born, and that became very much an education for coaches how to, to progress that. And obviously, uh, the, the success of your own coaching started to shine through, and uh, the birth of pro coaches here, which is I, I'm assuming from the, from the face value, you have s- seen the opportunity there with with the coaching side of things, and the muscle mentors was very coaching, and it's kind of just you know that's that's been your baby. So, do you want to talk a bit about pro coach and what what made you that, what made that decision? Um, arise and and where do you see that going? Yeah, so I think from a the muscle mentors as a as a as a cohort, as we started to bring more people on, James <coughs> came on, Paul came on. Obviously, the spectrum of coaching to education is it then became you know heavily education focused. There's such a big market for it. <coughs> website came, the subscription website, and then we went down the you know heavy mechanics route, and that's. You know Luke's main passion. That's Paul main, Paul's main passion. That's James's main passion, and they're exceptionally good at it. Mm. And for me, and I imagine from the outside perspective, and these these you know the guys will testify to this as well. They are educators in nature. They'll coach, but they are first and foremost they're educators, and they're very very good at it. And obviously for me, it's like I like teaching, but I love coaching, mm-hmm. and I like this. This is the stuff I love, like working with you guys going to the shows like going through those going through those uh, processes and like i think the education for me is part of the process but is not the process as a whole yeah um and like it became apparent to me that the the people i was working with on a day-to-day basis in terms of like prepping and coaching were quite a, were actually quite a different demographic to who was coming to be taught in terms of education yeah because there's like the coaching spectrum and then the athlete spectrum and uh, obviously last year was really successful because that was like, last year was like the combined effort of like the last two or three years before that in terms of like just working so hard to get people to a point where I knew that like that year where, is the year where you first competed when we did that Ryan Terry show and then you came second at the- 2019, yeah. And all these guys like you, I started to get loads of- loads Aaron of, as well. Aaron, you know, Becky, all the people that started turning pro and doing really well, they were like slowly like gathering momentum through those last couple of years. So like last year was like the, the moment where I was like, right, you know, we can really we can really go for this now on a competitive front. Um and I'm like, I'm a big believer in like timing is timing's everything, right? So I was like, if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it now. Mm-hmm. It's been in the back of my mind for a long time. And I think Luke kind of Luke probably sensed it for a while just because of the little bit of detachment that started happening between them and me in terms of education. Because hmm. I was very much like, right, I'm going to a different country this week or I'm doing this show or I'm doing that. And I was suddenly on the podcast less or I wasn't teaching as much. And it's kind of like organically grown into, and that's, you know, people might have realized before where like three or four months ago, earlier last year, we um, we made the coaching and education muscle mentors brands, so yeah. and that was like the start of right. <clears throat> you guys are going to run with this and thrive there, and I need to focus on doing what I do and doing what I want to do long term, and that's that's where it came. Um, even from I think even from going way back to when I first went to one of your seminars, you weren't I weren't um, you weren't coaching me at this point. If it was like when we started talking about coaching, but. Even then, I remember thinking, oh, I bet Cal's going to talk loads on this day. And it was like two days, and you just had like a segment at the end. Mm. The, 
the irony of it is, I remember sitting there and watching Luke talk and James talk, and that was like quite mind blowing stuff, like for me, really quite um, like inspiring about how in like in depth they know about their their craft and how like they are masters of their craft. But the section at the end, obviously, it, this is a point where I was still at John Lewis and just trying to break into being a full time online coach. And your section, which was about an hour, bearing in mind I was knackered at this point, I found it almost the most valuable in terms of like takeaway because it was really applicable stuff it was about how to deliver a service that is really valuable and um how you run your business mm. and i think that's probably what we, we don't want to talk about muscle or hypertrophy today like we want to talk about how you how you've grown a business and how you've delivered a service and i guess how you've built like a reputation mm. um but just on that transition has there been any like has it been any difficult conversations when you've had to be like, look, I can't do it this week. I'm I'm here or I'm there or I've got clients competing and you've had to sort of pass the baton or was it? Yeah, like I think from an education front, that probably happened. That happened quite a long time ago. And like the 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 blend of effort in the Muscle Mentors brand, it was like because I was so busy with clients and you know from yeah. you like when we went to Lisbon, you're like, that's like... 24 hours a day almost like I'll sleep like four hours a day and it'll be I'll, I'll be on my laptop the entire day and like, I can't not focus on it because there's so much to do and the effort it takes to kind of get that stuff done so because I'm not I'm not 100% passionate about teaching I'm more passionate about doing if that makes sense it was like well, Luke's like one of the best people on planet earth for this stuff and mm. he's one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever known it's like this is his baby yeah so he almost naturally took more of the the work off that side because he just loves it. So I kind of let that happen. And I was like, right, I'm just going to carry on doing this. And we didn't really speak about it for a while. And it was like he just naturally did it because that's, you know, the, the sec sec sector he occupies. And then I remember we had one call, like, must have been like maybe September or October last year. And we both knew kind of. He booked in a call with me, and I kind of knew what was going on. <laughs> oh, that moment. I was like, I know the chat we're about to have. <coughs> and we, we were both on the end of the call, and we were like, right. And I was like, right. <laughs> I was like, so. <laughs> I was like, right, we know we know, what we, you know, we know what this chat's going to go down. And like for me, it was like, the must mentors was like my baby, so yeah. it was really hard to do. Um, but I think the most important thing for me is like it's not, and for everyone else to know as well, it's not like the the death of a brand it's like it's just people go in different directions mm. and like everyone says like don't go into business with your mates mm. but i think for Ooh. where for, for, yeah. <laughs> um, i think for where me and luke have taken it it's like i think almost making this decision now is almost the best thing can happen yeah, sure. because we've done it in a way where it's like right this is still productive and it sends both brands in the directions they need to go in mm. as opposed to almost like me putting it in the back burner and just ignoring it and just getting worse and worse. Cause then for him, it's like, he's getting more frustrated cause he's like, right, Cal's not contributing to the brand. Yeah, All he's doing is this. So it's almost like it had to happen now. So the, so the Muscle Mentors education is still very much a brand in itself. Yeah, 100%. And you've just attached and, and have created this, yep. this pro coach. 100%. Incredible. I, I think also they're gonna feed into each other anyway. Yeah. There's gonna be periods of time where, where people, where you're gonna get clients who go, how do you fucking learn this shit? Mm. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> it's my buddies, the muscle mentors, and there's gonna be people who do the muscle mentors who go, I need to compete at a high level, and they're gonna go, oh, well, we want pro coach. So it's, I think it's still gonna 100%. to maintain. I think, uh, I don't know if we wanna segue to the, the elephant in the room and the, and, the, and the fact that you do work 20 hours a day. Yeah. Uh, I think like, how do you, I think a lot of people ask how, I think a lot of people ask why. So I think those two questions would be 
really, really good to, to understand from, from a lot of people's understanding. How do you find that time? How do you function? How do you maintain that level of focus all the time? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've done it for a long time now. Practice. Yeah. I just, just, just like, I just don't think about it anymore. Like, I know what I need to do on a day-to-day -day basis. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to fall short on anything I do, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I think the busier I've got, the, the, I think to a certain extent, it's like how you run your day and the systems you put in place. But you get to a point where it's like, well, the systems can be as good as they want, like as, as good as they can be. But if it's that much workload, you just you have to find the time to do it. Have you ever been proactive at, at seeking more knowledge and education surrounding time management and productivity? Have you yourself ever reached out to a, a business coach? So if, if there has been ever been a point where you thought, right, these systems are, I'm getting, yeah. getting pushed the limit here. I need to to call upon someone else to help me. So I haven't used like a, I haven't gone to like the Phil Grahams or the Mark Coles, etc., for like a mastermind kind of thing. But uh, Dan Luke, I've known you know that you know of Dan for a while, and he's like been more of like a mate figure for the last three or four years. Like I remember when I when I first left M10 and I went to see him in WeWorks in Manchester. And I was still doing all my client payments through like direct debit via the bank. And he showed me Go Cardless for the first time. And I was like, this is life changing. Mm. So I was like writing all these notes down, like, right, I'm going to go and change everyone to Go Cardless. And then Dan was like, because he obviously had discipline before. And then I think he like, he shut that and he just started doing like more like consultancy work with businesses. He's helped me a lot in terms of just like back end stuff that I would never either know about or have the time to do. Because at the moment, it's like, all I think about is, right, they need their update, they need their update, they need a new program, they need that. And then anything else is like, if I find the time to do it, I'll do it. You're, you're like, you're in the business, not on the business, right? That's a like, that's a, yeah. a phrase I've heard quite often, which I think is like, just the case with one one men businesses or, yeah, um, which is a, which is a tricky one. What what Josh has touched on there, so obviously you've, you've, you've had a few systems in place that have helped you, right? But mm. at the end of the day, you're, well, I don't think, any, I don't know the number of clients you've got, but compared to the number that I've worked with, like I almost know yeah. maybe where my ceiling gets. And I think you, you touched on a couple of things there. Number one is like, you, you just like love it, right? I mean, it's, you wouldn't it's, be able to do it if you didn't love it. No, you're, I'll be sat there at like 2 a.m. and I'll be like, I'll be absolutely buzzing. This excites me. Yeah. Because I know the thing that materializes to me is like the moments we had in like Portugal, Oof. where it was like, everyone was on the line. And I was like, right, I know that I've done everything in my power to make this decision go our way. And sometimes it's absolutely heartbreaking, yeah. but sometimes it's euphoric. Yeah. And when you get that right number called out, it's like literally you can't even describe the feeling. Yeah. And like that feeling just motivates me. It's like, I want that again. Yeah. I want to get, you know, I want you to have that experience. I want I, me to have that experience. It's like, it's just like, you know, all those like, uh, all those times where it's like, oh, I'd rather go to bed or Hannah's sitting watching TV on her own at like 10 PM. I'm like, oh, I feel really bad. So I'll go and sit with her for half an hour and then she'll go to bed and then I'll just go back to work. It's like, I don't, like, at the start, before, before the competitive, more competitive success arrived, it was a little bit harder mm. because I was waiting for that moment of like, oh, it will pay off one day. I'm just going to mm. keep on doing it until it pays yeah. off. But then when it started happening, I was like, this is like the best thing ever. Yeah. It's like, the more I do, the more it's going to happen. That, that risk to reward ratio changed, you know, you, were, you, were, you, you risked a lot, but didn't get the rewards, but now the rewards are there. There were years where I was like sitting at my computer, like, is this going to be worth it? It's, it's delayed gratification, right? Yeah. It's something, again, it's another like little segue into, I was going to ask, has it always been like that? Or has it been a case of, as the quality of clients yeah. grown? Cause this year in particular, as I've watched, I think, I, 
I think since I've been on the team, like Brandon Harden's joined, and there's been just you know big name after big name, mm-hmm. and I'm watching it. And I remember initially when like Brandon joined, I think I messaged you straight away like, oh my god, like what a massive name! Like we're, you're going to go to the moon, and then I get another name, and then another name, and now do you think you have the most IFBB pros from any UK coach on your roster? I got 28 now. 20, 28. Wow. 28 pros. Good. That must be the most, right? So if you had uh, pros join you as a pro already. Because they've seen the fucking success. So, some that I can't talk about. Really? Yeah. Oh, really? Because they're fucking still with their other coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's it's amazing, man. Awesome. It's, it's awesome. And that and, and and that is where that like warm, fuzzy feeling comes yeah, in because you start seeing. I'm, I told you uh, yesterday. I was like, there are, there are moments this year where, and this is like a kick yourself moment where it's like, I would have been with you in Portugal, or I'd have been with Hader in Alicante, or wherever it was. And I would have seen when you know when you're backstage and you like clock people, and you're like, oh, he looks really good, yeah. or he's he's with whoever. And then like the last probably like six months, like there'd just been random days where there'll be like a DM pop on my Instagram, and it will be that person. Yeah. And I'd be like, no way. Yeah. And I'll go on his profile. It must be, it must be, it won't yeah. be him. And I'm like, oh my god, it's yeah. him. It's funny because we were like, hey, hey, coach. I was like, can we jump on a call? Hey, coach? Like, no, no, surely not. <laughs> it's funny because when we were at Portugal, that was like the start of the start of the run of yeah. the of the shows last year. And I think half the people there were all like, who's this fucking guy? Yeah. And then by the end of it, I'd seen them all tagging you yeah, about yeah. two, three months ago. Yeah. Or two, three months later, they all started tagging you. Yeah. Uh, because they had all seen seen the success and all well deserved. I wonder. Do do you ever? I think we all see, we all see the passion. We all see the hard work. There's no two ways about it. I think that's a lot of pressure to have on yourself at all times. Probably more so from yourself. You probably put that pressure on yourself. Mm. I wonder. Do you ever crack? Do you ever feel that pressure? Does it ever get to you? Do you ever have moments where you think, "Fuck, this is a bit overwhelming," or is there a point when maybe you got to go to Hannah and just be like, "This is fucking," you know, I got. Fucking stop! This is killing me, or, or or this is too much. I wonder if you ever have those chinks in the armor because we see the we see the big silver shiny knight. Mm. Is there ever chinks? I think um, I think this has been instilled from me in me from a younger age because both my my dad and my brother played like high competitive sports. Like my <laughs> brother played like England rugby for years. My dad played international rugby. That like team mentality and like just you just got to get it done kind of mentality has been like instilled like my dad's a headmaster so you can kind of think <laughs> oh wow is he hot damn it's like headmaster yeah this is what you're gonna do and this is how you do it um international so, rugby to headmaster yeah, to dad i'm i'm the only male in my Shit. direct family that hasn't played international rugby <laughs> really <laughs> absolute disappointment Carl. you yeah. should you ought to be embarrassed yeah that. can we yeah. get your brother on next Therapy. week yeah <laughs> I remember I went to Hartbury College thinking I was like I'm going to be a rugby player. Yeah. I got there and I was like I'm not that good at rugby. Yeah. When you actually play with people who are good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the pressure thing is like, so like there have been moments last year where like I'll be sat at my desk and I'll have like three or four names in front of me who are like competing in a week's time and I'll be like oh I can't I can't fuck this up. It's like there are so many people expecting this to happen. Yeah. Like the first time that you did that pro qualifier, I remember like flying on that plane with Andy and I was like, this is quite a big moment this in terms of like, I can't, yeah. I can't miss here. Yeah. But then like, it's almost like a, there's this thing in the back of my mind that just says like, well, the pressure means that you're in the exact place you need to be. Yeah. Because if you weren't feeling this, you're not doing what you need to do to get where you want to be. Pressure is a privilege. That's, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. It's like almost like, it almost motivates me. Like the more uncomfortable I feel, 
I know exactly I'm exactly where I need to be. Yeah. In terms of, I think just what Josh has spoken, we we've spoken about it quite openly in terms of like mental health on on this podcast. I think people have found it quite refreshing and like relatable. Mm. In terms of like, I know Josh has struggled with like a, just a sense of overwhelm. I've definitely felt that before, and there's no way I'm anywhere near as busy as you are, or or I really don't think I am. Mm. It has there been a time when you've just been like, you, you know, you wake up and you see however many messages on the WhatsApp and you're like, how am I actually going to get through all these? Do you, practically, how do you deal with that? Do you have to tell people, I'm really sorry, this is going to have to wait or do you have to like prioritise or do you just go to Hannah and just have a little bit of a, a minute to like have your head stroked? Because I've had that before. Yeah, yeah. I just need, I just need a bit, just a, a minute, cuddle. a little cuddle and I can just get, and I'm good to go. Yeah. How, like practically, how do you deal with that? Or do you just not feel it? Or do you, yeah. does, does it just I set a rock she, up? Because she understands like Hannah's like a very um she's quite a unique girl in the way that like I don't think any relationship the way we have it would work unless it was her because she's like so she's so uh what's the right word empathetic um, empathetic about like what I need to do and where I want to be it's like you know I'm I obviously work from home I probably see her like an hour a day yeah wow that's it obviously I try and like it'll literally be like she'll she'll be doing what she needs to do, she'll take the dogs out, you know, she'll go to the gym or she'll go and film Eddie and then she'll come home and then she'll like potter around, watch a bit of TV. And sometimes it's a little bit awkward because I get the sense that sometimes she feels that she needs to be as busy as I am and I obviously don't want her to feel like that. So it's like, look, this is my choice. Yeah. You, you just enjoy what you want to do. If you want to do more work, you do more work. If you don't, then you don't need to. But then like, I'll like go and spend an hour with her watching TV and some shit on TV and then, I'll probably fall asleep in half an hour and then I'll only actually spend 30 minutes with her. She'll go to bed and then I'll go back to work. It's like, I don't think many people would be able to maintain a relationship like that. No, I don't think so. But because she's so like, she's she she's like so, um, she understands it's quite a unique thing. Uh, and I think that's one of the main reasons why I've actually been able to do it because she's like a very supporting figure in terms of like, she'll literally do everything. I'll just sit at my, I'll sit at my desk and work. Yeah, she'll come feed you. She'll come. Water you. Yeah, she'll she'll come feed me or whatever. She'll like come in and like give me a little hug and then I'll just crack on. It's like right. Shout out Hannah. Yeah, big up. Because without you, we probably wouldn't be in the yeah. position we are. So yeah, because I mean that's probably the cornerstone of your success. Like one of the huge building blocks of you know, a along with your hard work and your knowledge and everything. Like having that rock there and just that comfort of knowing that things are taken care of elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I think that is a hu huge paramount to your success. So literally, that's, shout out. That's you have to worry about, isn't it? In, t in terms of that then, so obviously, you know, life has to take like a certain path. Do you think there's a, is, is there like a bigger reason she puts up with, with that? Is there like a, I, I, I kind of want to dig into a little bit about your future. Because I remember you've obviously had a massive impact on me in terms of like, it was a conversation with you that led to me literally leaving my job and pursuing this online coach life. Yeah. And a part of my drawback was like, do I really want to be still doing this at like 40, right? Mm -hmm. So I thought in my head, am I still going to be, Traveling around bodybuilding shows at 40, not sure, don't think so right now, but it was almost like, doesn't really matter because actually for five, six, seven years, you can put yourself in a whole new like echelon of place. So for you, like, is there like an exit plan? What is what is the long-term goal or do you see yourself doing this until you retire? I think we all have that thought, right? Because mm. like we've like started something where it's like, I know there's probably an expiry date on what I'm doing, yeah. but I'm going to do it really well for as long as I can. And it's like, you're almost hoping in your mind, right, that will set me up for life, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. That will set me up for life. I'll put some money away for my pension or whatever. 
but if I do this for the next 15 years, I should be right. Like that feed, that thoughts in your head the whole time. Like for me, it was like when the muscle mental started, it was like, right, that's the, that's the exit plan in terms of, right, let's start a, a subscription site, let's do this, let's bring coaches on. And then obviously things have like changed path in terms of the direction I've gone in and what's happened. I think for me, the, the birth of pro coach and the team that we've built now, it's like, right, you know, if I'm 29 now, by the time I'm 40 and we've got kids. 29, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> what? Just look at you. I think oh. many people will be shocked hearing, <laughs> oh God, hearing that now. We'll, we'll timestamp that. that. That's the stress. That's, yeah. yeah. 29 going on 40. Um, like my, my next 10 years is like, right, I'm going to do this for as long as I can effectively do it. Yeah. Because like kids are going to put a bit of panic <clears throat> in the works, but that's where Superwoman comes in and hand takes control. I'll do my bit. Um, the big thing for me is obviously this business is like I want to, and Ross is something that's kind of molding into that figure. Now I've got Alex, I've got, I've got Ryan. I want to bring people on who kind of want to do what I've done over the last three or four years. And then in 10 years time, it's like that, that pro coach is a brand of coaches, yeah. whether that's 10 coaches, whether that's 15 coaches, whatever, whatever it is, you know, I provide them with the platform to do what they need to do, give them the clients, give them the, the reputation. They work, they do the work and I'll take a little bit of what they're doing and then I'll take more of a back back role. And then, you know, maybe when I'm in six years time or whatever, when I'm 35, you know, I, I, when we've got a family, like I probably can't travel as much as I am traveling now, but then I'm probably not gonna be working with the same amount of people. Mm -hmm. So I might only work with 20 people in six mm -hmm. years time. And I might only have, you know, guys that are, Josh going to the Olympia or whatever it might be, you know, you bloody owning the world in the classic physique. So for me, it's like, I'm not gonna stop what I'm doing, but I'm gonna probably manage, the long-term goal is to manage less and have more within the brand to do more of the bulk, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Cause like the opportunity that I'm, I think what we're building as a brand and what I'm trying to emulate is, you know, I, I want Ross, for example, to go and do exactly what I've done. Because then in a year's time, he's going to have the reputation to go to the moon. Yeah. And then if I can get three or, three or four more guys that do that in the next couple of years, it's like, right, well, you've got a coaching team of eight guys there who are the best in the world at what they do. And it's like, for me, then it's like, right, well, I can be a director in that company. I can benefit from the company, but it's not going to be as time intensive. And then my numbers can slowly start to come down. Mm. So that's the, that's the long-term mm. plan. That's good. It makes sense. I think you've got the... You've built a reputation that people will want to do that. That's the that's the thing. Um, yeah. uh, how many emails have you had saying, "Can I be one of your coaches?" Quite a few. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Really? Because even I've had a few, and I'm like, I was never even advertising, so I can imagine you've had a lot. Yeah, yeah. I might apply. Just this, yeah. <laughs> do you want job? Yeah. It's just the, it's getting the right people, isn't it? It's like it takes time. Yeah, it takes time. Like I want the just the three to bed in and saturate first because that was like my original coaching team at the Muscle Mentor. So it's like there's almost like a emotional value in that in terms of like I want those boys to do well and all be successful first and then and then uh, I can kind of start expanding from there but it needs to be the right person because there's a certain fit that needs to be fulfilled. Absolutely it's a very it's a very or it, it's a very it, it, it's quite a close relationship but also you have to just you have to really trust that like yeah. all you have to trust all those guys don't you yeah. um, because it's your reputation on the line okay. and we've seen many 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 examples of people overstepping that line and if it's your brand on the line, then that's obviously becomes a, it? comes a problem. Yeah. 
Joe, uh, Joe touched upon the you having to deal with the stresses of that onslaught of waking up and seeing X amount of WhatsApp messages. I wanted to, to dig a little deep into how you've psychologically adapted or dealt with taking a back seat in your own physique development. Obviously, uh, we, we all watched your, your prep, uh, which was incredible, and, and to see that level of intensity by being applied to, uh, as yourself being a coach. Has there ever been a point whereby you missed that particular element and you've had to just understand that the sacrifice for your own development within your physique is, you know, having to take a back seat? And do you, do you plan to, because I know you talked about getting to a certain age whereby you may only have X amount of clients, would that be your like reintroduction back into potentially then looking at going back on stage? I think we spoke about this yesterday as well briefly. Whereas I've had like moments in the last like six to eight months where I'll get back from one of these trips and I'll be like, I'm buzzing to like mm. jump in myself again. You know, do I do I bump up off TRT, start taking a little bit more gear? Yeah, start get, the pre, get the primo in. Start, mm. start, you know, posting up these crazy training videos. Do what? <laughs> but then I'll, I'll, do, I'll do it for a day and then the next day. <laughs> what, bump up the gear? <laughs> <laughs> like, right, I'll, grab my primo in. <laughs> I'll do it for a day and then the next day, I'll, it'll be like, I'll be sat at my desk and it'll be like three o'clock and it's like, I haven't eaten yet today. Yeah. Well, I've like all I've drunk is a, mon a monster. I haven't drunk any water. It's like I can't do this. Yeah, I can't manage them both. It's like <laughs> one thing that we said earlier in terms of like how do you how do you manage it? It's like I'm I'm quite um, I classify myself as quite a selfless person in terms of like all my energy goes on you guys, and I'm absolutely fine with that because I know where it's taken me, and it motivates me to do it more because the success that you all have gives me a lot of fulfillment from a from on a personal level in terms of where I'm at. So, you know, I think the last kind of 12 to 18 months is, there's been a lot of compromise with my own goals. Sure. Because there's been weeks where like, I remember there, there, there were probably, there's probably an eight week period last year where it was like crazy busy where I was literally going to like a, a different country every other week where I'd literally train like once or twice a week. <laughs> and I'd be just like, I'd be like brushing my teeth at night like, oh, I used to be in shape. Well, like, I used to feel like I was a bodybuilder. It's like now it's like I just can't balance them both. Mm. But I'm fine with that just because I know that there's not like a deliberate compromise that I'm doing, but I know that the more I prioritize what I'm trying to grow, the better it does. Mm. So it's like I'm I'm fine with, you know, Mark Mark's been a a really beneficial element to my life. Mark Hector? Yeah, Mark Hector for the last kind of five months because I've been training with him full time. Yeah, I've been seeing that. It's like, I'm bought into that process because I want him to be at the Olympia this year. Yeah. I want him to win the Arnold's. I want him to do this, I want him to do that. So like, it's almost motivating me to, at 2 p.m. it's like, right, I need to go to the gym now because otherwise he's not gonna have the best session he can have. Mm -hmm. If he wasn't there, I probably wouldn't train, I'm not gonna mm -hmm. lie. Um, I wouldn't train as much anyway, but you know, that's, that's like a motivating factor for me to get down there and, you know, do what we need to do. I think that is the difference between you and many coaches. Some of us sat in the room. We've spoken about that before in terms of, um, and also other 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 coaches that I think would like to be at the top of the coaching game or or, or t t tell themselves they are. Is actually a lot of them are still bodybuilders. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I said this to you yesterday when I asked you, do you think you'll compete next year? Because I know that was potentially a plan you you just simply cannot put 100% of, of your energy into more than one thing at a time it doesn't work um, because like for me and Josh like I've got to go to the gym at 2 o'clock <laughs> do you know what I mean I can't, I can't not or whatever time it is and I can't not stop to eat my meals otherwise like that goal of mine starts to come down so um, I think that is a real big difference between you and 
uh, many many other coaches that actually like coaching is your thing and 10 times out of 10 you'd put it in front of your own physique development yeah was there a time when can you think, think think back to a moment where that was a question that like or a dilemma that popped up in your head it's when i first when when we were when i first came down on crt and i was like right i'm gonna try and get hannah pregnant in the next six to eight months and it turned out that we were gonna wait to the back end of this year anyway so i'm in that limbo at the moment in terms of like when are we gonna start trying again but when i first came down onto trt after like four or five years of like really trying to push, push, push as much as possible mm. like you know probably middle of lockdown last year like i was 310 pounds and like just doing stuff in the gym that was like it was just so fun but it was also a big part of my day that i just couldn't focus on anything else because i was either tired or i was lethargic or i was sleeping mm. i was sleeping at my computers falling asleep in the middle of the day because of the stress on my body and like, I love that, but it's like it's not conducive to. I can't grow both at the same rate. Yeah. I either be a bodybuilder or I be a coach. Yeah. And like it sounds like it's, it sounds. You know, people probably always already you know always say this, but like for me, the fulfillment I get from you guys doing well or like you winning that fitx show, mm -hmm. like the moment that, that was and what it meant to you. Yeah. I get as much or even more satisfaction out of that than I would winning my PCA show. Yeah. Winning the PCA show, I was like, oh, I kind of understand why that's happened because I've grafted my ass off for the last six months. So it's like, well, I should have won because I've done stuff, you know, I, I, that most people wouldn't do here, which is great. But like for the success that you guys have or clients have, or seeing the WhatsApp come in where it's like someone holding a medal or <laughs> seeing the WhatsApp or like a voice note or someone like screaming, like, I've won, I've won. Or like your profile, like, we FaceTime that. Like that is gold, like that, mm. those moments like just, make what i do everything yeah like and I, I think that's so important for people listening to hear is you can be good at things and manage a lot of your life mm. but to be great at something yeah something in your life is gonna have to take a hit yeah every well everything in yeah is gonna have to take every, a hit. because it's all gonna that, that tunnel vision that focus is gonna go on that one goal and the things that fall outside of it you know, you forget about them. You, you forget about, you know, X, Y, and Z and social circumstances, girlfriends, whatever it's going to be. And I think, you know, Cal, you're sat there being the epitome of that. And I think a lot of people see that and think, I want to, you know, I want to be at that level, but aren't prepared to uh, mm. narrow their field of vision and, and take those sacrifices that, that of the things that fall outside that. So mm. when just, just roll back to the, I want to ask you about your, your sort of physique thing again. Cause I think, a lot of people's journeys, mine definitely, probably Josh's as well. I have a business because of my physique, or uh, it's a massive part of the, the the fact that I competed and learned that process and got pretty good at it. For me, that was always like a vehicle to a better business or a more successful business. So for you, what like kind of what what came first? Was there was there a point when you realised, all right, I'm probably not going to be an Olympian. Um, I'm going to do coaching instead, or was it like you were doing both and you're like, oh, I actually kind of prefer coaching because i guess back then actually you weren't coaching elite athletes and you maybe you weren't getting mm. quite as much fulfillment out of it so where like where did that come to a head or did it not i think that that prep in 2019 wasn't that prep in 2019 wasn't me saying i want to be a bodybuilder or i want to turn pro it was me knowing that i had to walk the walk right before other mm -hmm. people would follow mm -hmm. once i'd done that prep, had you competed before that before no that was your first year. That's the first time I've ever been legit lean as well. Legit. Skinless. Yeah. 
So I was like, I've got to do this for people to actually trust me and mm -hmm. build the build the authority that I need. Yeah. Once I've done it once, it's like, right, we can build some momentum there. But I remember Jordan telling me, I was like, you're not going to coach those top guys unless you've done it. Yeah. And I was like, right, well, time to do it. do it then. You know, that was the that was like rite of passage. And I I don't I don't you know necessarily believe in the necessarily believe in the you've got to be in shape to be a good coach or yeah. this or that but i do think there's a certain level of there's a certain level of um well psychologically you understand you've got to understand it by going through it in the trenches empathy. exactly yeah yeah and i think it's almost like the people that i coach <clears throat> or at least at least initially after i competed when I started to get those slightly bigger names or, you know, slightly bigger goals or people trying to turn pro, et cetera, you kind of, you, you know, deep down that they have a, a greater level of respect for you mm. and your words have more weight because they know you've done it. Mm. So when I tell someone, right, this is what you're going to do, or this is your food for the day, or this is the amount of cardio you're going to do, or this is your training, because they know, oh, Cal's been there, he's done it before. So he must know what he's talking about, or he must know this is going to work, or he must know this is needed because I've done it. It's like, right, I'm going to do it. And then once they've done it, it's like, right, they start to see the response and then they, they don't question it anymore. Yeah, I think it's really important. I think as <laughs> you're in a position whereby you've pushed up to really extreme weights. You've I've done both sides. You've, yeah. you've you've moved incredible weight as well. We've, we've seen that. Mm. Um, and so you do like, you are sort of like a, a beacon in terms of like, like you said, the, 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 you are a bit of a beacon in terms of the extremes of bodybuilding. Yeah. Like you might not have gotten to the top level, but not for the want of, uh, I wouldn't say not for the want of trying, but at least not for the want of like giving it a go. Yeah. Um, you know, you won, like you won, you won your show and you were absolutely peeled. Like, no, I don't think anyone could have said you could have done this better or you could have done that better. You might have, you might need a few more years to grow more muscle, but obviously coaching now comes first. Mm. And as you've, as you've said, as we've just said, no, you can't do both. I don't think not to the level you're doing it anyway. Yeah. Like I, just, I don't have the. The whole like, are oh, you going to compete again? Or people see me training again. And they're like, right, where are you going to? When are you going to step on stage again? It's like, I just goals bigger than that. Yeah, mm -hmm. it just goes beyond that now. Yeah, it just goes beyond that. I, I don't feel like I've got anything else to prove by stepping on stage again. And I also know that if I was going to step on stage and where I'd want to take it, I wouldn't be able to coach and do the stuff I do at the moment in terms of coaching to the same degree just because of time. Yeah. So I don't want to cause any compromise to where that's going because it, you know it, it's moving in the direction I want it to move in. So it's like, right, well, this is what you do now. Yeah. I'll still train, I'll still live the lifestyle, so to speak, yeah. to an extent, but it's like I'm a coach first and foremost. Yeah, and I, I don't think you need to, like you've, like you said, you've proved your point and now almost you've commanded more respect for mm for going into that that kind of that full-time coaching role like for me anyway because i've seen that development i have more respect for you the commitment the 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 coaching styles that you go through now you know even more so than when, than when you were competing just because you know it's very very evident that 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 is your that is your soul you know your your soul ability to to perform at that high level as, as a coach is is is, is more respectful it's it's, it's kind of more so than if I had like an Olympian as a coach almost like it's mm -hmm. like I almost feel like if you are an Olympian if you are a top level pro mm -hmm. can you really like give me that effort that I probably deserve or need yeah, yeah, like yeah. probably not because like we said it's, it's, it's so demanding yeah um and like I wanted to segue a little bit just onto coaching styles because like I think one thing that that Cal is 
for me anyway, like, because we talk about how you would talk to him and how you would talk to me and how you talk to Tom as well, when we've all got varying levels of, of goals, varying degrees of, 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 of whatever we're trying to go for. Do you think that, um, like, have you worked hard at your coaching style or do you think like it just comes naturally for you? Because the way I would describe you, and I kind of threw this in the group before when we were, when we were talking about how we were going to, you know, uh, approach this, this, this podcast, you're a bit of a, uh, a, a chameleon where you can you can you can change how you are with each individual and you can get the best out of someone mm. because of that did you ever like sit back and think i need to get better at this or do you, did it just come naturally or, or, or kind of over the experience yeah had? i think a bit of both so i think the the fact that both my uh my childhood and my parents being teachers has been like because there's always been like a I don't, I don't know the right way to say this, like people and like being a people person has always been like quite a big part of my life. Mm -hmm. um, or like team sports when I was younger and you like mold within the team and you want to see, you know, all elements of that team succeed and you've got to like know how to deal with different people. From a, from a coaching perspective, to get the most out of people, you have to speak to them on their level and like speak to them in a terminology that they're going to understand and they're going to respond to. So like, I think probably probably at the start when I was at M10, um, or maybe a little bit later when I when I kind of first went online, I was um, a little bit more in the realm of like right, this is, you know, we kind of come up with this optimal situation where it's like right, this is how I do check-ins, this is how I run the diet, this is how I do the training, yeah. and then you start to get in more and more in terms of like, you'd suddenly get a a slightly more um, advanced client where it's like right, they've got the capacity to do really well. And I'd do their setup, and like it wouldn't go the way I wanted it to go, in terms of like whether it's communication, whether it's they don't really like the training, whether it's like they don't, you know, they don't, they're not really, you know, responding to one element of it. And then it's like I sat back and I was like, right, well, there's no, you can't do this as a one size fits all, and there's no optimal. The the optimal is relative to the individual. Mm -hmm. So like within that initial process of working with them or whether it's on the consult call or asking what they're doing now before you start the process you kind of get a sense of what they're comfortable with mm. and now it's even a case of like who have you been coached by before because mm. i know how they coach it's like well i'm not going to drastically change how i'm going to start this with you because it's going to be too much polar opposites so if they've been coached by that said name it's like right i know how they coach so I'm going to start this in this way so it's an easy, smooth transition. Then I might be able to change things over time, but I'm not going to do it at the start. <laughs> um, but like, I think for, for you guys, just like, like when you were all in prep, I used to speak to you a lot. Yeah. Like for, for both of you, for Tom, it was everyday check-ins at the end of that process. Yeah. For both of you, it's probably multiple times a day, every day. All day, every day. <laughs> you yeah. start, start to get to know people really well. Really well. And like you start to care for them, you start to feel empathetic about the situation you're in, you start to really buy into that process and buy into the person. So like, for me it was like, yeah, I'm a coach, but I'm also speaking to you as a mate, so I understand you, so I know how to intrinsically get what I need to get out of you, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Whether you're aware of it or not, there, there's like, part of me is like, I care for you because I see you as a, a close friend, but also part of me is like, I know how to speak to you now to get the most out of the situation you're in. And then I know as soon as I sent that text and you've read it, even if you don't respond, it's like, right, that's yeah. the response I needed to get, crack on. Yeah. Just uh, just on that, in terms of like empathy and then also communication styles, I think the um, 
the 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 thing that shines through for you or or from you as a coach to me all the time is is empathy. Mm. Um, I think over what are we two and a half years now coming up for coming up for three years. Those are rookie numbers, man. Those are rookie. You gotta get those numbers there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that your level of understanding for other people's situations and problems is something I've not actually worked with loads of coaches, um, but I know I I try and put it across in my coaching and when client, you know, clients come to me from other coaches I'm like oh, I kind of know how that went like you just said and I think you're, you're like I said your, your level of understanding and empathy is something that shines through more than I've seen from pretty much anyone else and I try and sort of model myself on, on that as well because I know let's say for example you know you literally mentored me for that whole process of going from so I came to you as a bodybuilder that worked a 9 to 5 right pro bodybuilder 9 to 5 I'm now a pro bodybuilder who's done placed in a top show but fully work for myself you've gone through that whole process and I think you've understood at times and I've been like Cal I'm so fucking busy mate I'm trying to build a life here and you're like that's alright do you know what I mean mm -hmm. if I told you oh, there's, there's a level of trust there I think you trust me to get the job done as best as I can with a level of understanding that sometimes things just might not be optimal in terms of like you said optimal is, is relative to everyone um, but where do you like where do you draw the line because I don't think we've ever had a tough conversation I've never you never told me off um mm. have, do you ever tell anyone off have you can you think of any examples whereby you've had to be like Brandon, almost no, <laughs> <laughs> like Brandon. if you're watching this mate don't do it again mm. uh, no because like I I almost don't correct me if I'm wrong I don't I've not seen we've communicated a lot and I've not seen that side I mean I've probably not pissed you off but no, no. I've not seen that side of you I'm very hard to piss off is mm. yeah I'm is, almost horizontal in terms of yeah. like where my personality is that you can't piss me off um uh i think i think once the uh, once you've built that level of rapport with an individual i don't like i whatever situation it is I, it's, it, there's no there's going to be no positive outcome by me having a go at you because then i know that if you then if you respond to that in a negative manner emotionally nothing positive comes from that so I'll still get what I need to get across, but I'm not going to do it in an aggressive manner. So I might spend a day trying to get my point across, but I'll do it gradually. So by the end of the day, you're like, right, I know that wasn't the right choice and yeah. I need to do this now. So I guess like it's just the whole notion of like building rapport. Like a lot of the people that have coached with me for a long time, like I'd, you know, I'd invite you boys to my wedding. It's that to that level. It's like you probably don't get that with a lot of coaches because they're probably just in a number and it's like, right, that's going into my bank account and crack on. Yeah. It's like I just I kind of buy into that process a lot because I'm very emotionally attached to your success, which I know your success and delivers to my success. So it's like this goes full circle. Yeah. So I think like uh, there is a line drawn, but it's how you it's how you it's how you communicate that. And I think once you buy into people and kind of understand people, there's a way of dealing with it that's like constructive as opposed to just having a go at someone and lashing mm. out and then thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Or they, they, they've read the WhatsApp and they haven't responded. It's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Mm. And we respect you as well. And it's almost that head teacher element you spoke about at the start yeah. of the podcast whereby I don't want to piss Cal off. Yeah. Mm. I, mean? I want to make him proud. I want to make yeah. him proud. I, I am representing Cal at the end of the day. Mm. So even the content that I produce and the way I come across on camera and things like that when I talk about training nutrition... I want that to be reflected in a good light in Cal as well. Yeah, and that's so powerful. Mm. Yeah, that is the... I've, yeah. So powerful. There's almost like an expectation. Where yeah. Like, for a lot of situations with all three of you in prep, 
there would have been the moments where it's like, oh, but it's like, no, I've got to do this. Because the, not not the reputation of me is online, but you, I imagine there's an element internally where it's like, I want to make him proud. Is it? Yeah, it's absolutely. It's like, it's like when I'm, you know, I've got like, post-workout shots from prep and I've sent them through and I'm like buzzing to get your response because yeah. like, I just yeah. know you're you don't care about anyone else's response yeah it's like I know <laughs> Cal's going to be absolutely fucking buzzing to you because like, I am um, do you use those pieces of content like obviously we create a few videos here and there on YouTube uh, and preps do you ever invest your time to look at those as a, an additional kind of feedback bar our uh, weekly check-ins in what, in what way? In the yeah. sense of like, say I do a YouTube video on my prep this week, would you tune into that and take any feedback from that? Yeah, I, I consume all your content, so like I kind of know. Yeah. If there's if there's stuff that I haven't picked up in the check-in, I'm gonna pick it up on your social media. Yeah. It's so like I'll go on your story and I'll, you know, <laughs> see something, I'll be like, oh. Yeah. That's not the impression I got on his check-in this morning, so I know there's something else going on, so I might text you or- It'll notice that. There'll be, you know, there'll be little things that will kind of notify me as to right. I need to be mindful of that, or this has happened, or whatever it might be. But like, also, the same thing is like, I get really immense satisfaction out of like, if I've spoken to you on WhatsApp and something good's happened, or you've had a good check-in, or you're happy with what's going on, and then I see that on your social media with like you being the organic you speaking to your followers, and I can see that on your social media, or it might be your YouTube channel, mm. like your show day vlog. Mm. Like for me, that's like, I just get the best feeling out of that because yeah. it's just so sick to watch. Because mm. mm. um, I know like how much that meant to you. Yeah, Seeing the actual fruition of it all happening, kind of knowing the outcome already, but watching it, it's like, it's like yeah. watching a movie where you know yeah. something's you know, gonna yeah. happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And you've seen everything that's gone into it. Exactly. Yeah. You know the meaning behind it. Yeah, that's great. I think like, kind of keeping on that point of managing different people, I think in the industry at the moment, and, and we've talked about this, but behind closed doors, there's a lot of, uh, we, we've coined it as toxic positivity. Yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, let's, uh, let's throw the smoke up this guy's ass to make him feel like he's going to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I, I think, it's, uh, I think my question is, is like, and this is, I think it's a hard one for all coaches. At what point do you, do you hold back on so much? This is yours, mate. You know, you've got this, you know, because, for example, last year when I won that pro card, you, you said you're going to get it this year. No matter what happens, you're going to get it this year. I think, you know, a lot of people want to hear that from that coach. And sometimes maybe they give it to them, but potentially it's not like the right time to give it to them because they're not ready yet or yeah. mentally or, or, or physically. So, uh, you know, where do you draw your line for those people who come to you and say, Cal, I want to win a pro card this year? But perhaps they're not there. You know, do you do you draw that line quite quite easily and comfortably? I think um, it's easier now because I've because I've done it. They kind of understand that I'll understand the process. So if I say, you know, I understand that's a long term goal, and this is how we're going to get there, and this is the process you're going to have to go through, I'll happily say it's not going to be this year. It might be this year, but don't count on it because there's work and there's a. There's there's something you need to fulfill fulfill here that takes time, like for you in that season last year, we'd already gone through that process once, so I knew that once you'd done that off season, the next time you competed, you were probably going to turn pro. So like for me, it's like by me, by me feeding you that, and by me telling you and confirming it and making you you have clarity on that, it almost made you believe more. 
which yeah. is such a powerful thing. Like yeah, you backstage, like ready to go on stage in that overall in Lisbon, like I'm ready to fucking like run through a wall here. Yeah, yeah. You were there, he was like off his nut, yeah. like backstage, like- I was charging. You, you were like <laughs> tearing down that room, like just doing pull-ups off the fucking coat rail. Like, let me in, let me in. Because all those other boys were like deflated backstage. We were just there like kings, like, yeah, you're all fucked. Yeah. And then obviously we ended up, you know, yeah. Losing that one, but the next week you, you got it. Um, that's that's actually really interesting. I want I, I don't want to move on from this yet because I, think I, I want to dig into it a bit more. But actually, just going back to what you said around um, when you spoke about sort of having a go at someone, there's no there's no positive outcome from that. Mm. I guess really there's not really any negative outcome of blowing smoke at someone's ass because it might give them a bit more belief. Um, that might give them even more a chance to win. Yeah. They might not still not win, but actually it's not still not your fault. Um, I think the the conflict for me is actually I just feel like I'm a very very honest heart on my sleeve like I'll just say what I'm thinking type of person which I think holds me back I think you're the opposite and like I say I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing like because it's not really going to get you anywhere bad but like do you think that's a weakness do you think or or something that you you could improve upon could you be more harsh I think I'm, I'm like at the end of the day I'm going to be like the processes that I buy into and like if I take a client on board I buy into that process and even more so if it's like a if, if it has a greater you know if the magnitude of the goal is even greater it's like whereas you trying to place it in your pro or you trying to win win that kind of redemption show where there's a there's meaning behind it there's emotion behind it yeah whereas you getting that pro card and I kind of saw everything that went into that the people around you and like even like little things like you know, seeing your mum in Lisbon, whereas like when you didn't get it and like seeing that of like firsthand of the impact it had on people around you, it makes it even more meaningful when it happens. Yeah. Because it's just like, oh, it's finally happened. Like all those people are gonna be buzzing as well. I think like I'm gonna be the, the client's biggest fan, yeah. but I'm also gonna be a realist as well. Because I don't wanna set them up for that feeling of like, they're going to a show knowing in their head that Cal's told me I'm gonna turn pro and they end up not placing in the first call out and it's like, well, what's happened there? So for me, it's like you've got to praise the progress first and foremost because mm. they're moving to the direction they need to be in. And then when you know it's close, then start telling them that, right, it's within reach and distance now. Yeah. Like when I when you were digging in that prep before for fix, and you were like, I don't think I'm going to be ready, Carl. No. You're like, you're going to be ready. This is what we're going to do to get there. Yeah, and and you're like, you're like, I, there must have been times in, the, in those check-ins where you're like, I'm not sure I can do this. Well, I said the, the previous week that I, despite, I only sent, I, I used to make excuses prior to sending over physique shocks because I hate the way I looked, mm. you know. And I, and I remember talking about how you kind of inject that level of realism. I remember a, a few weeks out, you asked me, would you want to take DNP? Yeah. So, like, so, you know, you're asking me, not, yeah. not telling me. Yeah, yeah. And that is a psychological trigger for me to go, fuck, I need to, I don't want to take it, but because Cal said that, I'm going to ramp the intensity up. Yeah. I, I think I said there are two options here. Yeah. I was like, we either well, do this, yeah. or you take DNP. <laughs> <laughs> or we kind of hack our way there. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I took the harder, well, yeah, arguably the harder route by going right. I don't want to take the harder route. I don't want to touch yeah. that. I'm going to do two lots of 40 minutes on the fucking stairmaster yeah. a day. Grind. And yeah, grinded for it. I think that's the difference though between us three, as in, not not just us three, but us three, you know, as examples in the room, we will always pick faults in ourselves. And I, I've said I've said this from day one, well not day one, but a long time being in bodybuilding. It's like this X Factor effect. You ever used to watch X Factor? Yeah. You know the guy that goes on stage and he's fucking dreadful, but his mum's told him he's great. 
and he goes up there, he gets absolutely slated, but he's like he still believes he's great because his mum told him no matter what Simon Cowell said. Mm. There's the other person that thinks they're terrible, they're shy, they're a bit, you know, sort of they almost talk down to themselves. They go out there and they're like, Oh my god, they've blown everyone away. I think that's a really important trait for a bodybuilder to have. Mm. There needs to be a level of like like realism and not toxic positivity in terms of like Josh is like he's in his off season he's looking like the biggest he's ever done he's the leanest at this weight but I know he doesn't love how he looks he can't wait to be shredded again mm -hmm. even when he's shredded he's going to be moaning about something mm -hmm. and it's the same with me same with Tom there's a problem the problem is the, the flip side there's this big flip side in the industry where I, I said it to you yesterday didn't I people just do not understand the size of the mountain that they need to climb to get to a, a high position and like, how do you tackle that as as an empathetic, as a, as an empath, as a people person, as someone who probably um, filters what they say? Because, like you said, is there any good in me uh, telling them that's not going to happen, or is there a right time to say it? I guess. Yeah, I think this it just goes back to that the concept of like praising progress. Look how far you've come, sort of thing. Exactly. It's not quite there yet, but Look how far you've come, but there's still more to go. So right. use that as a motivator for them to push more. Yeah. As opposed to me saying, look, mate, you know, you're not going to do this in the next two years. It's going to take longer. And there have been consults where like people have said things like, I want to do what Josh has done. And I was like, I want to turn pro. And they'll send me a photo. And I'm like, mate, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Because I've coached these guys before and I've been to the shows and I know that standard. And it's like, there's a, you do not understand the magnitude of that goal and the people that turn up to these shows. Yeah. It's a different level. It's, it's not the ones that win either, it's the ones that turn up and don't win. Yeah. And you're like, they're still hunting me. That guy, remember, you sent me his photos a week out from Alicante and you're like, I'm not going to beat this guy. You know the guy with the massive delts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive delts. He was like, I'm not going to beat this guy. Yeah, I was like, huge. Just wait and see, just wait and see. I remember, you, I, remember I, I texted you on the day, didn't I? I was I, in Miami I said, and I was I, texting I sent him the photo. I, was I said, like, I said to Carl, I was like, this is going to be tricky. Is Josh going to win? And he was like, there's one guy I've got to get past. Yeah. Wasn't he in your class though? Height class? Uh, I think he was one below. Yeah. The Italian guy maybe. He was one below. I'm pretty sure he jimmied up his delts. And I was just thinking, please don't win your class. Yeah. And he won his class. And he fucking didn't even get like top five in the overall. Yeah. You can look good on Instagram, but it won't save you on stage. Mate, those Italians are a different fucking breed, I tell you. Mm. HD structure, one million. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, um, there's the same thing when we were sitting. We remember, I still remember vividly sitting on that couch in that villa in Lisbon, and you sent me the photo of the guy that was the uh, the Portuguese champion. Remember, you the guy who ended up winning. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, I'm worried about this guy. And I was yeah. like, No, nah, don't worry about it. Like, yeah, hey, you just we'll do what you need to do. And then you know, it ended up being that technically, I think you did win. That. I'll take the win there. You did win that. <laughs> they did move you into the middle. Um, but like it's the same thing like you almost like start to doubt yourself in your mind and then my goal is to you know my objective is to just pull you back in there would have been loads of times in that prep with you where you didn't think you didn't think it was possible no i'm correct many a time i always do or my mind goes off on a, on yeah. a complete tangent and start doing things for the wrong reasons and that's why i'm so grateful for for being coached by yourself is to keep me grounded on a continual basis because mm. i think i've had coaches in the past whereby they just thought that because i have this exterior you know quite alpha male that i'll be okay but deep down i'm a sensitive soul yeah. so uh for you to for to keep me grounded was incredible i, I, I wanted to just ask about because when you were talking about getting the best out of people and and while trying not to blow too much smoke at their ass, but when you believe in them, you believe in them. 
I want to talk about on on Hader's on Hader's prep because I was talking to him when I was in Dubai, and mm. you know he he got on his fifth show, I think. When you were at show yeah, number, gone that Norway when he, we didn't make it into the board, and he would have won that one. Yeah, this is the funny story. I'll, I'll let you finish the sentence. I'm I, I was just going to say, like, what do you do when you get to show four? Yeah. You don't do it. Yeah, and you, you, you know you, you know he's got the pro worthy physique. But you know, whatever it is, they just dealt, dealt the wrong cards, or the judges went around the day. Mm. Like, how do you get the best out of someone on that the, base? The, the biggest thing with Hader, and I, I use this analogy of giving him his fin back, making him to a shark again. Yeah, because he turned into like a little baby seal. Mm. Whereas like he was a he was a victim. He was like he was vulnerable. Mm -hmm. he, was, he was prey. Mm -hmm. So he started because he you know, and I think anyone human would. Yeah. You've done that many pro qualifiers, and you've been in that many overalls, and you still haven't got it. Mm -hmm. You start to believe that it's never going to happen. Yeah. And I remember him texting me like, I don't think I'm ever going to do this. Maybe I'm not meant for this. Yeah. Like, maybe I should just stop. And I had to pull him back and pull him back. And then like we use this analogy of like getting his fin back, where I was like, right, you're a shark now. You've got to fucking do this. Yeah. And like once he got his fin back and he started to believe again, the thing for Hader and anyone that's been in a show with Hader will be able to testify to this. You'll be able to keep him in an even keel all the way up until show day. And then as soon as he goes backstage and he waits for his class to be called out, he just overthinks immediately and his complete persona changes, his mindset changes and his body starts to go with it. Yeah. So you'll start looking at people Yeah. and you'll start going to me and be like, have you seen him? He was saying this very thing to me. Have you, have, expectation have, have you seen him? I've just seen him in turning. Or you'll be texting me in the room. I'll be sat with him and he won't be talking to me. He'll be texting me like, do you see him on 26? Do you see this guy? Do you see that Italian guy? And then in the end, for those last few shows, I was like, right, you're going to put headphones on. You're going to take my beat. You, you know, those in-ear. In yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to take these and you're not going to say a word. Yeah. You're going to turn your phone on silent. You're just going to nap. And you're just, you're just going to put your blinkers on. Because we started to almost get into a habit of like, I could see it happening live firsthand as well. When we were in, uh, when we were in Finland, um, because Ballinger was with us as well, and Zach was with us, and Reese was with us, and I literally could see it like him, like crumbling, crumbling firsthand, like just panicking. Yeah. Or like, should I go for a piss? Should I pump up? Should I do this? Should I do that? How's my tan? How do I look? I can't get a pump. What's happening? Something's going wrong. And I was like, hey, dude, chill the fuck out. You're like hyperventilating. Yeah. And then he goes south before he steps on stage. Yeah. And you can see it when he yeah. poses. He's just not confident. He's walking in like, oh, I'm like, I'm not sure this, you know, I'm not sure this is the right thing. Or, and he starts to, you know, he starts to crumble so like we use that analogy of like getting your fin back where it was like as nice. soon as soon as he started to believe again he's a different animal and the physique changed Mate, when he went to denmark he was a fucking animal like he was ready to kill someone backstage he was like just staring in my eyes like just get me on stage get me on stage and momsy the the black lad yeah he's incredible like the most, oh my the most god this is that guy that you commented on the other day he is unbelievable fuck, fuck i coach him now yeah i've seen we're that gonna too. do the sweden show so anyone doing sweden you're fucked um <laughs> he's he's a, he's a great guy and like he was in his class and i was like to zach i was like this guy is good and i was like we're gonna beat him on condition because the is gonna be leaning though, i can guarantee yeah. you and obviously that ended up happening. It could have gone either way, but Hader was just much sharper than him, but still the same thing. Like in that Denmark show, we we kind of drilled in that week or so before I just drilled in and drilled in that self-belief, getting your fin back on, be the shark. And like that, like the 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 feeling in that camp in into that show is completely different. Yeah. More calm more focused less like chat a little bit less banter in terms of us like fucking around yeah still just as much 
weed smoked him. <laughs> Constantly smoking weed because it keeps him chilled. But um, oh, man, uh, he was just he was a completely different level. And like even on like show day, there were little things where like I, I could see him. Like I'd stand, I'd stand away from him and like kind of just observe. And I could see little things happening where he'd be like looking around, or and I just like had to pull him back in. Yeah. And like, oh, have you just played this song? Have you heard this? And he'll like just zone back in and get back in the zone. But the funny thing was. Um, that Norway show. So we basically did Alicante third, Poland second, Finland first, lost in the overall to yeah. Ash. Ash, he's very he's very, very good. And then uh and that was another one where like overthinking to the max, like just crippled him. Um and then we, that was three, and then Norway came. And Norway was the one we got turned down by the turned out. At the border, border. Yeah. Now I've never told him this, so if you're watching this, mate, this is this is real. But he wasn't going to win that show because his body was tired. So I remember he came to the house the day before we left. In the back of my mind, I was like, this is the worst you've looked. I can't tell him that, but in the back of my mind, I was like, this is the worst you've looked. You've you, you, uh, improved at Poland from Alicante. That's like three weeks into the process. Then we went to Finland and I was like, he does look better. And then two weeks later, he goes again, more stress on the body, more emotional stress, more baggage. And the, the Norway, I was like, this is this is the worst of the four looks. Mm. And I knew a couple of like, it was a quiet show. There's like 17 guys in men's physique. I remember that show actually. But I knew that if he went, if he went and he didn't win in the smallest class when there's like 17 guys and you can't turn pro, the first time Two Roses ever run that show, that would have absolutely crippled him. That could have been the nail in the coffin. Mm. And I remember, this is a weird thing. He doesn't know, I, I've, I've never said this, but... I remember when we were at the border, it was me, Reese. It was me, Reese, um, and two of the guys that work at Two Bros. Two of the guys that work at Two Bros went in because they were vaccinated. And at that time, obviously, I wasn't vaccinated, and he wasn't. And the woman wasn't having none of it. She was like, you can't come in. And in the back of my mind, as weird as it sounds, because I knew, I spent the entire trip traveling there knowing this is gonna be a mission to, yeah. to, to make him win here, because I know his body's in turmoil. In the back of my mind, I actually wished that we weren't going to get in. So as soon as she said, and she was like, can I see your passports? And then she called her supervisor. It, this sounds is horrific for me to even say this because it was obviously awful. But in the back of my mind, I was like, please don't let us in. Because yeah. I know if we regroup now and he gets his body back into the right place, we're going to win the next show. But if we go here and he loses, that's going to be him done for the season. If you've, if you've lost four times yeah. in the, the smallest show of the year, you still can't get it. You say that lost. Been, you yeah, lost, but just like basically top three. Top yeah, three, top it's, one. it's an expectation. Yeah, like, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. For us, coming seconds, losing. It's a loss, yeah. It's a loss. Um, so like that was like, that was almost like a funny thing. And then like, we didn't get in and then we got escorted to this room, <laughs> took our passports off us and then we had to fly to Paris and then we flew from Paris to, to home. And like, but like the... He was like obviously distraught, like in tears, like so. He was a mixture of like anger and like being upset. But in the back of my mind, I was like, right, that's all I needed. Yeah. More time now. Chill. Take tomorrow to just relax with you. You went back to his mum's, relaxed, and then we just built into that Denmark show, and there's just one focus then. And then he just got better. He went to Dubai because there's a four-week gap in between. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Went to Dubai. I was like, if he can go back to his family and he can go back to see Kelly and his kids, 
and stress drops, he's going to be a different animal. And then every single week in Dubai, I was giving him more food, making him go out for meals with them. We used to do those sushi refeeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like, obviously because stress was so low, his body just started bouncing back and he's yeah. looking more. It was a different animal. Then. Completely different. Completely. Just stopped weighing him. So the last five weeks prep didn't weigh him once. Yeah, really? Like, just had to like, drop all the stress off him and then it was just completely different. Yeah. Stress is just such a big killer on a physique. Cripples him. Even for Hader, the most I've ever seen anyone. Anyone. Yeah. Close, followed closely second by Bright over Budget. I just didn't see that first time. I just lived vicariously. I think I'd take that trophy, actually, having been there in person. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's going to be different this time, don't worry. Yeah, that was... Hader uh, was a... Uh, from a... From a coaching perspective in terms of like psychological management that was like one of the iconic ones for me in terms of like that this is a this is a game of chess you're playing now in terms yeah. of how we're going to get him there it's a different ball game i think you being there in person yeah and i always said didn't i it's like i'm i, I don't think i'd change anything but like this last year for me i'd said to you today, uh, yesterday didn't i about that that two bros finland show now i just think or, or even the one that you're potentially thinking about doing <laughs> chop that out um i just think like what a different year it could like it could have been or it, or it will be this year there's like a unique opportunity here and um yeah it's, it's my uh, biggest regret of last year i guess is that you you, you weren't there or couldn't have been there because i think having someone there in person is just a different ball game well, we, we probably facetimed after each show I remember morning in New York Pro, I'd lost my shit. Do you remember? I could see like it. I looked flat and small. I remember and calling Hannon and I was like, Joe's struggling here. And his body's going south with his mind. But then you, Should I fly but New York was fine, was wasn't it? As not, in, New York was fine. But not. But in the morning, like I called you. Do you remember? We, you called me, it must have been 5, 6 a.m. I was like, Cal, it's gone. Everything's gone. You're like, you just got low blood pressure. It's like, nah, Cal. <laughs> Bit of salt's not going to fix this. Mm. My head was gone. And I needed, I needed, I needed someone there. Lucky Louis was there for that. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he was. I know you were communicating with him, sort of. Yeah, I was texting him a little bit behind like, the scenes. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Because it's online coaching, but actually, when the push comes to shove, like psychiatrist as well, being in person. Where do you think you learn that? Is that just a, a, a gradual experience over the years for you to then be in a sort of comfortable position to take that that role on board? Because mm. it's. Um, I think it's just like it's an element of coaching where you're like if you're like a people's person mm. and like I don't know you just you just gotta you gotta invest in someone and then once you kind of learn who they are and what how they think and what they respond to I think you just get really good at I think you're very good, good, good at learning people very quickly yeah 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 but yeah for you it was just a combination of multiple things but like, I could that was painful mate like <laughs> It's painful. To <laughs> painful yeah. for us. Yeah, it was. For us. Remember I can... still remember when we were sat in Lisbon on the laptop yeah. watching, watching him, Milwaukee, yeah. I think it was. And yeah, like, it was. I was just looking at you and I was like, if this doesn't go the way it's going to go, it's going to cripple him. Yeah. And we were both sat there. It did. And then when we watched a live stream and I was like, did he get first call out? No. I was like, right, second call out. Did he get second call out? I was like, and then I knew, like, I was waiting for your text. It's like, it's fucking tough. It's fucking tough to deal with, but just needed a hug, man. <laughs> yeah, and you couldn't hug anyone. It's the savagery of the sport. Yeah, you get sent back on stage, and it's like, right, you got to. You're just left with your emotions there once you get off stage. You've gone from this like ultimate high to then like fuck, yeah. and then for you boys because your obviously social media presence is so big. 
I've got to tell 50,000 people what I've just done now. Yeah. And it's like, what are they going to think? What do I post in my story? What do I do about this? Have I let someone down? What about this? What about this? And it's like, it's not only your own emotions, it's what other people are going to perceive of what's just happened as well. Yeah. Mm. It's the pressure that it's like, you know, yeah, yeah, even for like you in that FitX prep, it was like, I'm gonna, I want to prove to myself from all the people that have spoken all this shit about me, mm. I can actually do this. Mm. And then for you, it's like, if it doesn't happen, all, they're all going to say, told you so. Yeah. Couldn't fucking do it. Yeah. yeah. So for that moment, I remember when I posted on my Instagram, I was like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. yeah. We were all like that. I was like, yeah, fuck you, because it's happened. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. it's like, it is what it is. It's done. That's interesting. Have you taken a, a, a more conscious effort to, I know you're investing in a, a camera and that, cameraman now now you the, with the magic. release of uh, magic yep now now with the release of pro coach are you is that an area whereby maybe dan has said to you that we need to to bump up a little bit your your sort of social media presence yeah i don't i, I don't particularly like doing it in terms of like i don't like being the forefront because i like you guys being the forefront and then me just like facilitating it yeah um I, I, at the start, I was quite uncomfortable being like the main person in the video because I'm so used to like either you being the main person and me just like just being in the background. Yeah. Like, well, I'll just make sure this is going to plan. Um, but I think for me, it's like, I think the cool thing is it's not necessarily from like a following perspective, but I think now we're getting into the realms of like, this is just, this is like the dream happening in front of me. It's like, I want to document it. Yeah. Because in 10 years time, I want to go back and look at this and be like, look at my. Remember we went to there. Sitting down with my kid and being like, if it's like my son or something when he's ten, it's like, no, this is what this happened yeah. ten years ago. Yeah. This is Josh. This is what we did, and it's like it's just sick, isn't it? Yeah. Are you gonna be taking uh, Magic to all the shows this year? I guess. Everything. Yeah, amazing. He doesn't know that yet. But <laughs> <laughs> he does. He does. Um, he's plotting it out all in his yeah. diary. Yeah. Right? He's thinking. Timings. Timings. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's like it's just like a. Just documenting what you're doing and it's like i just don't want to miss those little things for me like it all first started where it's like andy for example when he came to your show and he'd get like little still images yeah. like post and it's like it's just so cool to look back yeah, yeah. flying the little, little moments where it's like so much emotion in that photo where you just remember it instantly. yeah 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 it's like what happens if we did this at every show is yeah. that you can't miss those opportunities and it's just so cool a million percent i think one of, like one of my like the things i'm most grateful for is tom literally telling me to vlog the show when i won my pro card because yeah. i wasn't yeah. gonna do it and he was yeah. like you need to vlog it and i was like all right and i will be able to look back on that and watch it forever and it, and, and and people still not so much now but for years after people messaged me saying i still watch that video every once in a I, while i still watch it like it's just it's, yeah, it's incredible. It's what you say, like document everything. Even you know, we, we we've spoken a lot about on this podcast about people being worried about documenting their stuff and posting it. And like fucking hell, if you're gonna do it for anyone, do it for yourself. Like at yeah. the end of the day, if you because a lot of people step on stage for the experience, right? People just want to step on stage, want to take it off. So make sure you get a bit more than just your stage photo because that doesn't really tell the whole story. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting what you just said there about you don't want to be the the um, at the forefront as well. That I think kind of encapsulates like everything about again why you're good at what you do because you you're you're that like you said you're there to facilitate and and that shows that you you you're putting other people in front of in front of yourself maybe for some sort of back-end benefit like you say when it comes in a comes back in a cycle but i think that says it all yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be unique though i don't know any coach doing that type of thing and also when you do go to these things 
well, the video is going to be about you. It's going to be about the athlete that's competing there, right? You know, so you're going to have this unique for for both of for both coach and athlete. You're going to have this unique experience of this video that you guys can reminisce on. It's going to be mm. it's going to be unbelievable. It's like I remember when you came to the house uh, to film that initial pro coach stuff, and it was like literally me sat on my kitchen table with the with the camera pointing at me, and I was like. I don't know what to say. Because <laughs> like, I'm not used to being here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when it's like one of you guys and I'm just there like maybe in a clip and I'll say something and it'll go back to you, it's like I'm really comfortable with that. It's perfect. But then when it's all on me, it's like I'm not sure if I want to do this because it's, you know, this is not what I'm used to. Yeah. Um, but there, there, there has to be a certain element where you have to do a little bit of that. But For sure. Again, most of the contents is going to be documenting other people's processes. But obviously it just goes back to you know, it's all it's all your stuff, but it's just other people going on their own individual journeys, which I think is quite unique. Yeah, for sure. Which you, all three of you done. All three of you have done. Very unique, and but I, you also create that element of it's quite exciting whenever I see you actually doing a story on Instagram. It's a bit like when yeah, yeah, it when, is. When it's like when McGregor does it. Oh my god, he's, <laughs> he's actually talking. Yeah, when, when Cow's actually got a front face in yeah. Instagram, I'm, I'm really invested in it. Yeah. So, it only happens once in a while. Yeah, and also from a marketing point of view, I suppose those clips and those steals that you take from the likes of Josh is is gonna is gonna propel you. Yeah, hundred percent. So then, and it comes back. Do you think there's been an element of almost influencer? You know, when when you're taking Brandon Harden on board and he's saying this is my new coach, mm. do you do you see a knock-on effect of uh, an individual like Brandon then seeing an increase in your coaching demand? Yeah, I think like, especially from a following perspective, like I remember, this is funny, so like, this is when you start to get like a glimpse of like how powerful it is. So like when he was, uh, when he was at the qualifier with the when he won the overall and we were like sat in his car, I remember it was like me, Jordy, Brandon and... Um, the, the visual guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Videographer. Zane. Yeah, Zane, that's his name. And we were sat in his car in the car park at um, Lee Valley Center or wherever it was the du for the Tubro show. And um, he was like, oh, um, I want to try and live stream it. You shouldn't live stream Tubro shows, but you're not allowed. But I didn't actually end up live streaming in the end. But um, he was like, oh, why don't you live stream on your phone? And I'll just go on my Instagram now and just be like, look, Cal tag me. Cal's doing a live stream of my show. Just go on his page to follow it. And I'm on stage in two hours. And I remember I got that notification of him doing it for me. And I got 9,000 followers yeah. in wow. literally 30 minutes. Like my phone incredible. was going mental, like bing, 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 bing. Like numbers, like, like I was like, I th you know, when you like open up your phone, it says like the notification with a little icon of a person. Mm. And it was like, every time I did it, it was like 600, yeah. 500. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And obviously most of them stayed. Thank you very much probably forgot I'm even existed <laughs> yeah. but like that was like that was one of those moments where I was like you, you actually look at the the pull of the power of some of these profiles is like monumental we all benefit from that as well yeah so keep posting us yeah um but like obviously that's not it's it, it doesn't really mean anything because they're not yeah, yeah. really people I'm going to work with yeah it's just a number and it doesn't really mean anything but like even like we can't all deny like Instagram followers and like what people perceive when they go on a page and they see 40k or they see what yeah, it's it just like social proof, social yeah. proof in that, yeah. And it's important because if you go on an Instagram profile and it says 4,000 and they're saying they're some top coach, yeah, yeah. Like, are you? Like, yeah, it's mm. very true. It's, mm. it's, it's like, as much as it shouldn't necessarily mean that, people think that way, yeah. So, do um, do you, do you 
curate the athletes you take on now? I'm assuming you get a shit ton of applications every single day. Yeah. And obviously you've just launched Pro Coach. I saw that you had hundreds and hundreds of people apply. So the, my, my goal with that stuff is obviously just like to get the to get the higher quality clients and then just distribute them into yeah. the team. And I just to continue doing that for the next five, 10 years. Because yeah. then by the time I've done that, there'll be however many coaches on the team, all busy. And then like I said, I can kind of run my exit plan where it'll be right. I'm going to bring my numbers down from X to say yeah. 15 to 20 people, work with less. Shotgun, yeah. I'll have one of those. <laughs> and it will just be, you know, it's just going to be people, you know, doing the Olympia or top pros, whatever it might be. And that'll be like, that'll be my cream of the crop then. It's like sweet. Nice. Similar to what I imagine like, Jensen's done in yeah. the US where he's like he's probably he's probably been at the high numbers and now he's kind of whittled down to a, a lower figure because he's got other stuff going on yeah like that's that you know I think that that from a coaching perspective that's probably like the most straightforward way of doing it but yeah at the moment like I'll get loads of people inquiring and it's like right can I convert them to one of the other boys um and it's easier now because as they're starting to get more social recognition and they're getting really good at what they do it's like there's less there's less of a barrier. Yeah. So I only want to work it's with someone. for someone to I'm not going to work with someone else. Whereas now it's like, there's a little bit more wiggle room. Mm -hmm. And like, they're all doing really well. So it's like, right, well, you know, I can work with Ross and still get the results I want to get. So right, it's fine. It's, there's less of a barrier. But um, I have people message me asking if you're taking on clients. Are you serious? Yeah. I have that yeah. at Crayford. A couple of blokes said, can you ask Cal? So <laughs> you ask him. Yeah. And then he and then he did and he's like I've got a twelve month waiting list. Yeah, pretty hefty. Unless you're an Olympian, mm. I might I might find room. Carl, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask some um, some of those sort of generic questions that I think people probably want to hear the answers to. Like, for example, I understand who have been like the most influential people so far for you um, to date that have sort of sh helped you shape the person that you are or the bodybuilder or the coach that you are obviously you mentioned your dad and your brother yep james james for sure james sutton and i, like, I can't go without saying it the experience at m10 and the opportunity mark gave me yeah. was a massive thing because that was literally like obviously mark, mark coles who owns m10 was like that was like the the platform i i i was fortunate of the fortunate enough fortunate enough to use to start educating coaches to kind of start getting known in that realm and start kind of like the ironic thing of like calling yourself a physique coach as opposed to a personal trainer yeah, yeah. that was that transition that was the start so without m10 like that was a that was a big a big stepping stone for me in terms of like the direction i wanted to move in so like uh, mark for sure um and i think he kind of believed in me at the, to the to an extent at the start of that process at M10, which kind of probably he probably gave me more opportunities than the most to get in front of people, which was you know a blessing. Jordan, yeah, obviously Jordan prepping me. Obviously, I've just signed with JP and Jordan Peters. Jordan Peters, JP. I think most people in the world know him by now. Um, that's a massive opportunity in terms of like him coaching me, and you know he, he's always kind of supported me on a. I, I know him well now just because of like obviously the time we spent in Manchester and. Um, it was all, it was, you know, before it was almost like a, here's this like mysterious man that you'd see on social media and then you'd disappear again. Yeah. Whereas now it's like knowing on a personal note, it's a really powerful thing. Um, and Jordan's another guy that like just wants the best for the people around him. So it's quite a, quite a contagious thing to be around. Um, uh, who else? Oscar. Yeah. Oscar. I lived at Oscar for a year and a bit in Manchester. Oscar's someone who's very close to me. Um, and you know, he will be forever. Hannah, obviously, support-wise there. 
Um, the time I spent with Muscle Mentors and, and what we built within the Muscle Mentors with Luke, again, is invaluable in terms of what it's allowed me to do now. Um, and then, as cheesy as it sounds, like, the success of all of you. Because like, that's been like, that's the biggest organic growth factor ever. Because all you guys have your own profiles with your own followers. And then as a result of you succeeding, I've kind of been able to feed off that with my own growth. And that's, you know, it's a massive part of it. People, people don't really understand that, but with the kind of social media driven world we live in now, you know, if you, if you're playing a contributing factor in other people's success, you're going to, you're going to get a little bit of that success as a result of that. So just being affiliated with it's a powerful thing. So the more you guys succeed, it's like, you know, I'm already invested in your journeys, but there's an added benefit of, you know, the more you succeed, the, the more I succeed in that, in that regard, mm. you know, um, I'm trying to think, I'm worrying now if I've left it off the list. Yeah. People are going to be in what, DMs. What about me? Um, yeah, like that's probably the main, the main bulk of it. Good. As long as we're in there. That's, all, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's actually why I asked the question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't actually what care. About about yeah. Need to hear us in there. <laughs> um, and then this is like such a classic one, but I feel like it needs to be asked as probably the pioneer of online coaching in the UK, maybe in the world. I just think that remains to be seen. Definitely. Agreed. What 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 do you say to, to, to young people that, that want to become, because everyone wants to be an online coach. Mm. Nobody wants to have some heavy ass weights. Um, what would you say to what would you say to a young online coach that just wants to be in your position or half the man you are? Uh, I think the word you used was galvanized, was it? Mm. I was like, I saw that on Instagram. I was like, oh, that's a nice word, isn't it? Yeah, galvanized. Galvanize the game. Man. Google it, see what it means. <laughs> um, the, the chemical yeah. comes up. <laughs> dun dun dun. <laughs> uh, what would I say? I think the important thing to consider is everyone you're seeing who you idolize and, and find inspiration from was once in your shoes. Mm -hmm. And you've got to, you know, what's the saying you say you've got to eat, you've got to eat something before you can eat caviar? Eat shit, eat dirt, whatever it is. That couldn't be more true because yeah. you're going to have to spend years building something where you don't really know if it's going to work or not. Mm. Or you don't really know if it's going to succeed. You've got to spend years of having just blind faith. Oh, yeah, so if, I, say that. if I keep on doing this, it's going to pay off. And then the back of your mind, it's like, what if it doesn't pay off? And then this it's side so says, true. it will pay off. You've just got to have faith. It's so true. You've got to spend years doing that. Years. We've been coming up to 10 years, and it's like yeah. now that Gymshark are inviting us down. So that's a very good point. All those little, little voices of doubt, you've just got to allow the, you've got to allow the faith to overpower the little voices. And then as soon as you get that combination of effort and, and work with a belief that it's going to pay off, yeah. it's just a matter of time. Isn't it? He once said something to me, I think it was in 2019, that kind of changed my whole, it was one of the most powerful things that I've ever heard from, from someone that I care about. He said, no one who has ever achieved anything has not had self-doubt. Yeah. Everyone has been through periods of self-doubt. Ronnie Coleman, you know, CEOs, Elon Musk, I'm so sure that at some point 100%. someone has faced self-doubt and it's it's okay to feel like you don't know what you're doing and is it really going to work. But the, 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 the common denominator in all those people who are successful was just keep showing up, just keep putting the effort in. Yeah. And that, that, that was the finding moment in my, in my mental, my mental ability to, to, to push hard. It's the same, it's the same analogy as like self-doubt is the pressure thing that we spoke about earlier. It's like, if you're, 
if you're in that situation where you're even having those thoughts, it's almost confirmation that yeah. you are pushing mm. the envelope of what you want to do. Because yeah. like, if you're not having self-doubt, it's like, what are you even doing? Yeah, that's true. You're just living and you're not doing anything. Yeah. What not, are you even doing? What are you even doing? <laughs> if you're not feeling pressure, it's like, well, if I'm not feeling pressure at all, then I know that the goal or the the, the you know the, the end goal that I'm trying to chase maybe isn't even big enough to what I could possibly do here. Mm. Um, I think that's it. Just goes part and parcel of it. It's just you just got you can't let that you can't let that feeling and that emotion you know define you because otherwise it will cripple you. You know that's the hate is a prime example. As soon as you remove that self doubt and you put his fin back on, it's like anything is possible now. You've got to put your fin on. You can see that title. You got to put your fin on. Yeah. Just find your fin. Yeah. Find your fin. Be a shark. Nice. Yeah. I think that was really powerful. I think that was really good. Very powerful. Took a look. Took a look from that. For I'm sure we all did for for our own individual brands and businesses. And uh, just want to thank you very much for coming down. My pleasure. Absolute honour. I'm sure we'll do it again in uh, five years' time when we are battling with Joe Rogan. <laughs> well, Joe Rogan's done. So yeah, Joe Rogan's he's, he's, he's actually been cancelled. Five days, not five months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, and yeah. thank you for everyone for tuning in. Um, we shall leave the description links to Mr. Callum. Race trick on the uh, on the YouTube and Spotify as well. So thank you very much. Thank you, everybody. Thank Peace. You. Thanks. See you soon.